Hooray! Oh, oh, I got a T-shirt. All right, I'm in the cool club. Fantastic. I think my age just dialed back about 20 years. It's fantastic. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you. So are you, by the way. Well done. Hey, well done, Josh. First time on drums tonight. Great to have you on our team, Josh. Welcome. Posh? Is that what name? Right. I've got a brother called Josh, and he hated that, so yeah, I won't call you that, don't worry. Hey, we're going to get straight into it. Last week, we started a series, three weeks, uh, called Saved, and uh, I, I introduced it by saying this word saved has so much depth of meaning. It, it is so full and rich of meaning that if we, we take the time to pull it apart and understand it, a bit better, it can actually change our lives. It can change our lives. I said that we are saved from the ultimate consequences of our sin. Sin being that, that choice that we make to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong rather than relying on what God says is right and wrong. And, and the moment that we sin, we cause a separation between us and God. Because only perfect people are allowed in the presence of a perfect God. But we're not just separated from God in this moment. I said, explain that we, we would actually face the ultimate consequences of our sin, of being separated from God for all of eternity. And that, that might seem really scary and confronting and um, complex and distressing maybe, but it's just the reality of what we face. That's what the Bible says, that if we don't turn to Jesus, then that separation will be there forever, and it's called hell. But as scary as that sounds, it's also the very thing that the Bible offers us hope for, because that's the very thing that we can be saved from. You see, God sent his perfect son, Jesus, to, to take those consequences of a really our behavior onto himself. And he died and rose again. He died on our behalf. He rose again, defeating death. And if we turn to him and if we believe in him and if we accept him and decide to follow him, that separation, that gap is closed and we can be in his presence after all and we can be in his presence forever. And that is the good news, isn't it? That is such good news. But tonight I wanted to tell us that that's actually only part of the good news. It's only part of the good news. You see, I grew up in a really strong Christian family, which I'm very thankful for, and and I heard about Jesus and gave my life to Jesus at a very young age. But I kind of always thought that Jesus had done everything he needed to do in my life. He, he died for me. He'd risen again. I've been saved from those ultimate consequences of my sins. What else could he possibly do for me? That's incredible. 
Does he have anything else for me? And what I've learned since is that God loves me so much. He created me. He has a plan for me. I have a purpose in him. That he loves me so much that saving me from hell is actually the bare minimum that he wants to do for me. It's the bare minimum. He has so much more that he wants to offer me. Jesus said this himself, John 10.10. Jesus, in his own words, said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And, and he wasn't even just talking about eternal life and, and um, heaven and, and spending eternity in, with him, but he was talking about life now as well. Starting today, you can have an abundant life, a full, rich, satisfying life of purpose with Jesus. I can have that. He wants to do that for me, and he wants to do that for you. And this is where we find ourselves this week, because Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, wrote this. He said, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, what Jesus did on the cross for me is just the beginning of his good work in my life. It's just the beginning. Uh, Pastor Steve, the last couple of weeks, has used uh, in his morning series the, uh, the illustration of a three-course meal, and uh, I love that so much, I thought I'd steal that, um, because I, I've, as I've been preparing this, I feel like this idea of salvation is like this most wonderful three-course meal someone could ever experience. I wonder what the, the greatest single meal you've ever had is. Can you pinpoint it? Can you remember it? Can you smell it? Can you, can you, does it come back to you? Does it like the smells, the taste, the company maybe, the, maybe even the sights of it, the experience of it? I wonder what it is for you. I, I can, absolutely. My wife, Chantelle, and I were um, fortunate enough to be traveling the United States several years ago, and we went to a, an incredible restaurant in Chicago called Alinea. And uh, at the time, Alinea was in the top five restaurants in the whole world. And uh, we, we'd saved up, and, and we decided that would be our special thing, um, our gift to each other. And we, we had the most incredible 17-course... <laughs> Yeah, seven, one seven, 17 course meal. It was the most incredible experience. It was, and it wasn't just the food. The food was some of the best food we've ever tasted, hands down, no, no, no question. But it was about the experience, the, the sights, the smells, the sounds, even to the point where one of our desserts was like an edible helium balloon. And, and it came out floating like that, got placed in there, and, and you could actually... You actually put your mouth to it and you like sucked a hole in it and then you know breathed in the helium and everyone had a bit of, bit of a laugh as he kind of talked in a high voice and uh, and everyone in the restaurant kind of chuckled as oh they're up to dessert yeah and um, and then you taste it and then you ate the balloon and it was this incredible like um, sour apple kind of dessert thing it was absolutely amazing anyway I have no doubt that we will never experience a meal quite like that this side of heaven and nor will we want to pay for another. Um, (laughs) 
But salvation, the biblical idea of salvation is a lot like uh, the most wonderful, incredible three-course meal you could ever possibly want to imagine experiencing. But the sad thing is many Christians eat entree and then ignore the rest. And it's just so sad because Jesus came to give us an abundant life, an abundant life. He wants us to experience the fullness, the richness, the taste, the smells, the sights, the sounds of an abundant life in him. Yes, I have been saved. I have been saved. But I am also being saved. God offers us so much more. Uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, Now I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you. Last week, we asked the question, well, if I have been saved, then what is it that I've been saved from, right? And so this week, we asked the question, if I am being saved, what is it that I am being saved from? And uh, I suppose, as I was thinking through this, the, the shortest, quickest answer I could come up with, what is it that we are being saved from, was essentially, well, myself, <laughs> Myself, I'm kind of being saved from myself. Let me explain. There is often, I think, an expectation, and I certainly experience this myself as well, that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior and, and uh, accept Him into our life and receive the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and maybe be baptized, we, we have this ex- expectation that suddenly, all of a sudden, everything will be right, <laughs> that, that, that our, perhaps our sinful behaviors will immediately stop in their tracks, that maybe, that maybe um, temptations that we may have experienced before then will suddenly just stop, that the moment that we accept Jesus into our lives, we kind of become this perfect person, <laughs> sin-free, with no, no issue of sin at all. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? (laughs) It'd be nice. But the reality is, when we accept Jesus into our lives, He does a work inside of us. But on the outside, we're still part of a broken world. We're still part of a fragile and uncertain world. We're still perhaps part of a community of people who haven't experienced what we've experienced. Perhaps there are behaviors that we thought we would rid, but... They keep coming back. Just because we give our lives to Jesus doesn't mean that we stop sinning. <laughs> and here's the challenge, isn't it? Because even Christians can struggle with sin. And even those of us who should know better <laughs> decide for ourselves what is good and what is evil, what is right, what is wrong instead of relying on what God says is right and wrong. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Whether it's our sinful, selfish desires, whether it's our self-centeredness, maybe it's self-focused living, 
Maybe it's our ongoing sinful behaviours and patterns. Maybe it's the, the times where we even surprise ourselves at our poor behaviour. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever walked away from conversation thinking, oh, why did I say that? Oh. Maybe it's our biases for people or against people that don't align with what Jesus' heart for them is. Maybe it's the thoughts that slip in or the words that slip out. But God wants to do more. God wants to do more for us and in us. But we have to let him. I'm going to spend some time in uh, Paul and Peter's letters tonight because they talk a lot about salvation. Paul, firstly, he writes to Thessalonians and he says this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And, and later in the same chapter, he says, For God did not call us to impurity, but in holiness. This is what God's will is for us, that our sanctification, our sanctification, he wants to sanctify us. What is that word? <laughs> that is a big word. That is a complex sounding word. But simply put, he wants to make us holy. He wants to make us holy. And if you're not quite sure what the word holy means, the, the Bible describes holy as being set apart, as being uh, lifted from the average and made special, considered special. Why would God want to make us holy? Why would God want to sanctify me? Well, all through Scripture... Anything that is associated or related with God is described as holy. Anything at all. God himself is described as holy. His son Jesus is described as holy. The Holy Spirit is described as holy. Um, The holy scriptures, the holy temple, the holy sacrifice, the holy angels. You get the idea, right? Everything associated and related to God is described as holy. So when we accept Jesus into our lives decide to follow him. We associate ourselves with God, the most high God. And he does just what he does for everything and everyone around him. He starts to make us holy. That's just what God does. He wants us to become more like him. Peter writes this, He says, it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God wants us to become more like him. So if we are being saved from our own sinful nature and our selfish desires, etc., so that God can make us holy and, and sanctify us and make us more like him, how does this happen? How does that happen? Well, Paul writes to the Corinthians again, and he says these things. And we all are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God's Spirit does his work in our lives. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we're also inviting his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And, and we then partner with the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to, 
to work in our lives, to, to mold us, to start shaping us. The Bible says kind of like a, a potter with clay. He starts to shape us and form us and transform us. The idea is the, the Greek is metamorphous, the, the idea of changing shape from one thing to another. He, he wants, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in my life that transforms me from the old to the new. From the old Ben to the godly Ben. He wants to transform us. And this is what it means when we say that we are being saved. Because transformation doesn't just happen overnight. Transformation is a process. Transformation is a journey. And, and Paul was saying transformation for us may take our entire lives till the day that Jesus returns. That's how long this Holy Spirit, he wants to work and transform and change our lives. But we have to allow him. And by what I mean with, by allowing him is we need to partner with him. We can't just sit there and expect that he will suddenly change our lives and we don't have to do anything, right? It just happens. But we partner with the Holy Spirit to transform our lives so that we can be made holy, that we can be sanctified, that we can become more like God. And uh, there are multiple ways that this happens, but I, tonight I wanted to focus on three main ways that we can be transformed. We are transformed, first of all, when we think holy. When we think holy. Hope Youth. When we think holy. When we think holy. Do you understand? <laughs> Toby does. <laughs> Romans 12. Verse 2 says, Do not be conformed by this age, but be transformed. Hope youth, where are you at this evening? <laughs> be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, one way that the Holy Spirit transforms us is by changing the way we think. And, and like I said, we don't just necessarily start thinking different. We have to partner with the Holy Spirit and start thinking about the right things, yeah? And maybe stop thinking about the wrong things. Start thinking about things that are actually going to help us be transformed. Or even start thinking in ways, not just the things that we think, but the way we think that look closer to the way that God would want us to think. Yeah? Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Transformation doesn't necessarily happen overnight. It's a gradual process. But the more we focus on Him, the more we focus on the things of Him, the more we start to think like Him. The more we focus on Him, the more we focus on the things of Him, the more we start to think like Him and the more we are transformed, the more we become more holy, the more we become like Him. Secondly, we are transformed when we desire holiness. 
Peter wrote this. He said, rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Many of you know that Chantelle and I have three awesome kids, and uh, the youngest, Eleanor, turns nine months on Tuesday, and uh, believe me, we can, with full confidence, uh, testify that when a newborn baby desires their milk, <laughs> there is very little else that will satisfy. <laughs> the parents know what I'm talking about, right? When the newborn baby desires its milk, there's, there's not a lot else that will satisfy them. And what Peter is saying here is that when we accept Jesus into our lives, we, we, um, we have a new life, we are born again, and we should be starting to crave the things that will help us grow into our salvation with the same passion that a newborn baby would crave the very thing they need in order to grow. Does that make sense? A baby needs his mother's milk to grow. And so the baby will crave it and thirst for it and won't let you <laughs> give it any other option other than the milk, right? And Peter's saying we should have that same level of passion when it comes to desiring the things that will help us to grow into our salvation. I wonder what it is for you. Is it more of God's Word in your life? Is it more time in God's presence? Maybe it's prayer. Maybe, maybe it's uh, more time spent with, um, with amazing Christian, other, other Christian people. Mentors, maybe. Whatever that is for you that you need in, in order to grow, to be transformed, to be more like Christ. We should be craving that in a way that nothing else satisfies. Nothing else satisfies. And that's when we are transformed. That's when we grow into our salvation. Transformation doesn't just happen overnight. It's a process. It will happen gradually. But the more that we desire Him, the more that we desire the things of Him, the more we start to desire like Him. The more that we start to desire the same things that He desires. And that means that we are being transformed. That means we are changing to be more like Him. We are transformed when we think holy. We are transformed when we desire holiness. And thirdly and finally, we are transformed when we do holy. <laughs> I know it's not very good English, but when we... It, yeah, it sounded catchy. Um, when we do holy... All right. <laughs> Paul wrote again to the Philippians and he said, Work on your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know, last week we, uh, I shared the story about the castaways, yeah, who were uh, cast away on an island for 15 months and they were discovered by an Aussie fisherman and he saved them. And not only that, but he paid their um, debt to society that they owed and he also gave them a new life, a new career in his fishing business. And it's just an incredible story. Um, but I walked away from that story thinking, you know what, just because 
those guys were saved didn't mean that all of a sudden their life was easy. You see, it had changed, but they had a new job, right? (laughs) They had work to do. They had new responsibilities. In fact, they probably had to work harder than they've ever had to work before. It wasn't easy. Now, they didn't have to work um, for their salvation or to pay off their salvation. They'd already been saved, and there was nothing they could do to change that. That That's, yeah. But they were still working. (laughs) They were still doing something. And our salvation is a bit like this. We, We don't work in order to earn our salvation. We don't work to pay off or pay back our salvation. That's already happened. Jesus has done that for us. That is finished, over with. There's nothing we can do to make that happen. It's already done. But if we want the Holy Spirit to transform us, to be more like Him, we need to work on our salvation. Transformation comes from repeated and ongoing obedience. Transformation comes from repeated and ongoing obedience. And once again, it doesn't happen overnight. (laughs) Sometimes we're obedient and sometimes we're not. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we think we're doing the right thing, but then really we're not really. But gradually, slowly but surely, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, if if we partner with Him to transform us, the more we obey, the more we start behaving like Him, or behaving in ways that He wants us to behave. And we are being transformed. We are being molded and shaped from the old to the new. And this is the life that Jesus came to give me. This is the life of abundance. A life that is transformed and and sanctified by the Holy Spirit's work in me. A life that is set apart from the rest of the world as special because it's associated and related to God himself. A life that no longer is primarily all about me, but it's about God and the other people around me. And once we understand what it is that God is saving us from, and, and we understand that it is by allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives by the way we think and by the way we desire and the way we behave, then we need to ask ourselves a question. It's all very well to understand it. But the question is, what are we going to do? What are we actually going to do? And I'm going to invite the team to come up and uh, prepare for the next song. But this question, what am I going to do, is going is to be posed differently depending on who you are. And, and I wonder right now if you would take a moment to consider that question for you. What does it sound like for you? Does it simply sound like, am I going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in my life? Is that the question that I have to answer? 
or maybe? Is it, am I going to commit to responding to him in obedience so that he can transform my life? Am I going to commit to partnering with the Holy Spirit so that he can transform my life? Maybe the question for you is, um, am I going to be happy just to take the entree and ignore the rest, or am I going to commit to enjoying the fullness of the most incredible meal that anyone's ever offered me, despite the occasional discomfort, or maybe what other people think of me, or maybe how inconvenient it might be, am I willing, am I willing to sink into the whole of what Jesus offers me? Or maybe the question for you is, am I going to give up control of my life and give it over to Him? Or am I a bit too much of a control freak? Do I just want to hold that for myself? Do I still want to make my own decisions about what's right and what's wrong? Or am I willing to give up control and rely on what God says is right and wrong? I'm going to pray, and uh, just as we do, I want you to keep on thinking, what is that question, and what is your answer? And maybe if, if my words reflect how you feel and what you're thinking, then maybe you'd pray along with me. But if not, maybe you have your own words to express to God what you're feeling and thinking at the moment. I encourage you to pray along. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father God, we praise you and thank you that you love us so much that you sent your only son to close the gap of separation. The gap that we created. (laughs) The gap between you and us. But God, tonight we just want to acknowledge that that's just the start of what you really want for our lives. That's just the start. You've placed the Holy Spirit in us to transform us, to sanctify us, to make us more like you, and to give us the most abundant life we could possibly imagine. Lord, right now, I want to pray for everyone listening to my words who who want to recommit to allowing your Holy Spirit to transform their lives, including myself. Lord, we decide here and now to allow you full control over our lives. Lord, we allow you, we give you the permission to transform our thinking, to transform our desires, to transform our behaviors and become more like you. We commit, Lord, to responding to your promptings with humility, with obedience. In Jesus' name. Lord, I also want to pray for anyone listening here tonight or in the future who haven't yet accepted you as their Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, would you come into our lives? Would you take over so that we may be saved through what you've done for us? Amen. Amen. It's good news, isn't it? It's good news. It's good news. I've been saved. I am being saved. 
but because this is a two week, uh, this is a three week series, and we're only up to week two, there's one more, <laughs> and that is that there will come a day, there will come a time when we will be saved once and for all. We will be saved, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're about to sing a song that expresses our desire for more of Jesus, our desire for more of Him, our desire for the Holy Spirit to to do a work in us, to transform us, to shapeshift us from what was once reality to a new reality. The old Ben to the God, godly Ben, the Ben that God so desperately wants me to experience. I wonder if you'd stand with us. I'm about to sing. There was a time uh, there, there we, I have been saved, I will be saved, and there will be a time that I will be saved. And uh, let me tell you, if, if you enjoyed the entree and you enjoyed the mains, just wait till you taste dessert.